You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Del Matthews. What is it, two weeks to Christmas, just about? It's this season of the year, this time of the year, that really brings out the grumpy old woman in me. Um, Yeah, it's all the tinsel, it's all the commercialisation that we all grump about. We all know that's not the real meaning of Christmas. We've not been fooled. If this year's advertisements for Christmas have anything to go by, what Christmas is really all about, it's about Santa, surfing Santas even, uh, it's about giving, um, of course. It's about food. It's about backyard cricket. You name it. But I've noticed that the advertisers have, have um, getting, gotten a bit wise. They know that we're all pretty, we're we all not fooled anymore, that that's not the real meaning of Christmas. So they're introducing subtle messages underneath that to, to lure us in with feel-good messages that are all about Christmas. So we're being told to think about the oneness that we are as a multicultural nation, sharing together, giving giving a toy or whatever gift with a meaning that's deeper than just the object itself. We're reminded of the nostalgic memories of childhood and other memory-making moments at Christmas time. Advertising, uh, advertisers are hoping that we'll shop more, we'll spend more by distracting us with all these feel-good kind of messages. But is that the real meaning of Christmas? It's not just the retailers. I was watching the news a few weeks ago, you may have seen this. There's a story about a fun run. And in this particular fun run, the runners had to dress up as Santa and they were to run for two kilometres for charity. Now, any of the runners out there will tell you that's not very far. However, the thing is, this was in Darwin. And if you know the weather in Darwin at this time of year, two kilometres is enough. And at the end of that, the, the commentator made the comment, he said, it's good to be reminded about the real meaning of Christmas. So I thought about it. I don't think he means running in Santa suit in 35 degree heat and high humidity. I think he's referring to the fact that they gave the proceeds to charity. So there's been a kind of a subtle shift So that the true meaning of Christmas is about doing your bit for those who are less fortunate. It's about loving your friends and family and giving them something special, something meaningful that they won't forget. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with this, nothing wrong with this at Christmas, but it's not the real message of Christmas. We hear a lot about Christmas being a season of love, you know, showing love to our family and friends and not forgetting those in need. And the idea has a real ring of truth about it. We like the idea. We like um, the, the idea of having a season of love. Is it really what Christmas is all about? Is it about love? You know, it's easy to detect a heresy when it's far from the truth. So we all figured out Santa a long time ago, and if you haven't, anyone in Kingfishers will set you straight. <laughs> but when it's when some a message is very close to the truth it's really difficult to sort it out. And that's what some of the messages are. They're very close to the truth. Well, fortunately, John, who wrote the letter that we're reading in this series, was not a grumpy old man, and he knew how to deal with twists to the truth. He urges us in the first verse of John chapter 4 to test the spirits. 
to watch out for the messages that might be inspiring but are inspired themselves by some other spirit other than God's, including the Christmas messages we hear all around us. I think John can help us today with the question of the real meaning of Christmas. And that's what he's got to say is in fact important for the whole year. But before we get into the scriptures, let me pray. Father God, at this time of the year, we're bombarded with all sorts of good messages. Help us to sort out your truth and to know what is the real meaning, what, we are, what the real celebration is this Christmas. And may we celebrate with gusto as we understand that. In Jesus' name I pray. Okay, so I'm looking at John, uh, chapter, first letter of John, chapter 4. And if you've got your Bibles, you might like to follow um, throughout. So if Christmas is love, I think it's a really good idea to take a closer look at the definition of love. What is love? Now, this year we've been hearing that word quite used quite liberally and it's even made its way into our national parliament. I mean, just this week we were told that love has achieved a victory in Australia. But maybe I missed it, but I didn't hear anyone giving a definition of love and what was meant by that. Just the implication that if there was love, then there ought to be marriage. Now, it seems to me there's a lot of confusion about what love is. But it's not surprising because when I looked up the dictionary, there's several meanings for the word love. So the Oxford Dictionary defines love in four different ways. First of all, it's a feeling of constant affection for a person. So I love my father, you love your daughter or your friends. Or it could be an attraction that includes a sexual desire. So we get the expression coming out of that, to make love. Or it could be a strong affection felt by people who have a romantic relationship. So we talk about falling in love and we argue about whether you can fall out of love. And finally, it can be a great interest or pleasure we have in something. So I love gardening. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about love. In our reading today, John hints that there might be more to love than what we find in the dictionary and what we hear in the media. We're told that God is love. And you'll find that in verses 8 and 16 if you've got your Bibles there. Now, this is not so much a definition of love. It just speaks about the nature of God, who he is. All God's activity is loving activity. Everything about him is love. And it's easier to understand what love is if we look at how God loves us. So if we're looking at verse 10, next slide, the coming of Christ was a, a concrete manifestation of God's love. And it's not the birth of Jesus and as a human baby, but his death on the cross, that's the, that is the reason for his coming, that demonstrates true, true love. It's not so much that we celebrate what we celebrate at Christmas, but what we remember at Easter. See, God sent his son with a specific purpose in mind, and that was to die for our sin. So it's the cross of Christ, not the manger. That's the visible appearance in the world of the love of God. His love doesn't necessarily fit neatly into the definitions we find in the dictionary. God did not fall in love with us. You and I are not just a passing interest he has. He has always loved us and always meant to send his son to die for us. 
His love is not based on a feeling of affection. He loved us when we were so marred and broken by sin, there was nothing lovable about us. To get a better understanding of the depth of God's love, it's really helpful to understand who Jesus is. Only then can we understand why the sending of Christ is a supreme act of love. You see, John reminds us that the test of truth of the messages we hear around us all the time is whether they water down the truth of what we call the incarnation of Christ. That's when Jesus, the Christ, who was a fully divine son of God, became human. He became fully human and fully divine. He didn't abandon his divinity when he was born a baby. He wasn't just a good man who made a mark on history. Neither did he just temporarily inhabit a human body while he was on earth. He became human. It's all too easy to make a picture of Jesus that suits our tastes. But if that picture doesn't match the reality that we find in the New Testament, then it's not a real Christ. It's an anti-Christ. So when we're told that God's love is uh, is God sending Jesus to die for us, we need to remember that it's nothing like the love we receive from others around us that we might have experienced here on earth because nothing comes close to Jesus. Nobody comes close to Jesus Christ. He was a full member of the Godhead becoming fully human to die for our salvation. Even the most sacrificial act of love is only a shadow of what the love of God is like. You might have seen on the news earlier this year, a jeweller from the Mornington Peninsula lost his life. He was trying to save the life of his wife and they were being attacked by burglars in their store. No doubt he would have married his wife because he was attracted to her and she loved him. His death saved her, but only for a few more years on this earth. It's an impressive act of love. But God's love goes a lot further. Because love, God loved us before we even loved him. We were so marred that we were unlovable. And yet Jesus' death saved us not for a few more years, but for all eternity. There's no true adequate definition of love if it doesn't start with God's love. love and love goes further. Incredibly, John says that God's love is only complete when we love one another. So a true child of God both believes and loves. And if you remember in chapter 3 last week, we were reminded, Tim pointed out, that a believer should both believe, a Christian should both believe and love. As recipients of God's love, we are compelled to love one another. Now John is talking primarily here about loving fellow Christians, loving the people that you see in this room, loving others that love Christ. And he got that from Jesus. But Jesus also urged us to love our neighbour, to love those who don't come to church, and to love our enemies. I think we can apply this passage to all people. So love starts with the family of God, but it's not limited to loving other Christians. If we love one another, then we experience the presence of God. His love for us is made complete when we love with the same kind of love he loved us. So let's think about God's love. What was it like? Well, God's love, first of all, sought or seeks the good of the other person. 
It came at a cost. Love should come at a cost to oneself. It was a very public act. It, was a pra- it had a practical outworking. Christ's death on the cross. It was not just a feeling of affection. Remember, he loved us before we loved him. So love that thinks of the other first and does what is best for them, no matter what that costs, is God's love at work through us. It's a love that's not dependent on our feelings for each other or the other person reciprocating and loving us. Yet we do see acts of love outside the Christian church, like the jeweller protecting his wife. Now, he may have been a Christian, I don't know. How can we explain that? We were all created in the image of God, the God who is love. That image has been defaced, damaged by sin, and not, but not destroyed. Human love fails, falls way short of God's love if it firstly refuses to love God and his son. Human love by itself cannot save humankind. When we come into a loving relationship with God, the damage is repaired and we're transformed, or we're being transformed into loving people. No, it doesn't happen instantly, but God's love is transforming us. So how does it work? Well, in verse 13, we find that we're assured that God, the God who is love, lives in us because he has given his spirit. That's a fact, not a feeling. The spirit teaches us the truth about God sending his son. If we acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, God lives in us and we in him. It's the Spirit, that other member of the Godhead, who enables us to love and transforms us into loving people. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. It's impossible to be a Christian and to not love others. If we say we have love and we we don't love one another... It's like saying we're born of parents but don't carry any of their genes or have any of their characteristics. We can't have God in us and not love. If we experience the love of God, then our love ought to resemble God's love. But we're still growing in Christ-likeness. We're not perfect at loving each other yet. If we were, I think John wouldn't have needed to remind us to love one another. We would have been doing it. When we get a reminder, I always take it that we need to be intentional about that. For me, that starts with prayer, asking that the Spirit of God would enable me and help me to love like Christ did, especially in situations where it's not so easy to love people that are not so lovable, um, when it gets down to praying for uh, loving people like our enemies. His love is also said to be complete as we face the day of judgment when Christ comes again. We face that day without fear. We'll come before God just as Jesus would. See, our confidence comes from the love relationship that we have with God. We can't both love God and be afraid of God. Now, John's talking about that, you know, quaking your boots type of fear, not the standing in awe of God type of fear. Fear of punishment is not love. Now, you've probably all experienced people in your life where, that you were afraid of. You were afraid of being punished or, or, or bullied or whatever from that person. And if you think back about it, it was really difficult to love that person. Fear and love just don't go together. When we really understand God's love for us and that Jesus came and died for sin and that he took our punishment, 
then we have no fear of God because we have no fear of punishment. We love God because he first loved us. So the perfect love that drives out fear also drives out hatred and love is made complete in us. So we must love both God and one another. We must love others. We can't do one without the other. So is Christmas about love? Is that the real meaning of Christmas? I think Christmas is a celebration of the supreme act of love when God sent his son with the purpose of dying for our sin, achieving our salvation. That love compels us and enables us to love one another. So yes, Christmas is about love, a reminder of God's love for us. And that's worth celebrating. And yes, Christmas is a, um, a reminder, is a, way, a time to, of, to remember the sacrificial love of Christ and a time to love one another in that same way, in a sacrificial and practical way. Not only our friends and family, um, but also those who are in need. So yes, I commend you the, the, the useful gifts that we've got on sale here and I would argue that we ought to be showing love in whatever way we can to those around us. Now, John didn't have Christmas in mind at all when he wrote this letter. And the message of love, therefore, is not just for this season. It's for all time. And as we leave today, I want to give you a bit of homework. And this is not homework just for today. This is homework for every, every time you leave this, this property. We've been doing a little bit of history on St John's lately. And as you go out the front door, you'll see two stained glass windows flanking the, the automatic doors. Your homework today and every week is to take a really good look at those stained glass windows on the way out. And I'm not going to tell you what's written there. You can find that out for yourself. Meditate on what's on those windows as, you, as we go out. We'll celebrate God's love again for us this Christmas, but let's not limit to meditating on his love and acting on it uh, for just this time of the year. Let's remind ourselves constantly of the love God has for us and that that love compels us to love each other. Let me just pray for us as we finish here. Lord God, we are just so blown away when we think about the love you had for us, that you sent your son with the sole purpose of dying for our sin. We are so, so grateful. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to love each other, to love those who come in into our lives, those that are perhaps more difficult to love. We crave your enabling and your, your love to work through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.